Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on the 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an All-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Please take some time this weekend to think of all the great men and women that sacrificed their lives so we can enjoy our freedoms. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski at Joe Ostrowski on Twitter. I'm broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. If you're a regular listener to this show or BetQL Daily, you're well aware of how much I love... All right. All right, how much I borderline obsess over these massive football contests, survivor pools, no matter what sport we're talking about, where you can win a a large sum of money. Our friends at Circus Sports announced their two mega contests this week and how they've tweaked them. We're talking about a $14 million guarantee between the two. Here's Mike Palm, VP of Operations at Circa. And, of course, I ask him when Circus Sports will be live in Illinois. Here's Mike Palm on BetQL Daily. Uh, Well, the two headlines are obviously that the guarantees went up. Last year we did uh, 6 million survivors, 6 million in the millions. Uh, We got 6,100 in survivor, but we fell short in the millions, uh, just shy of 4,700. We're going to maintain the $6 million guarantee in the millions, but we're upping the survivor guarantee to $8 million. So a total of $14 million in guarantees. And then the other headline is that uh, the number of max entries has increased in both previous years, three entries max, $1,000 a piece in the millions. We're going up to five max this year. And in survivor, previously six entries max per contestant at 1000 each. This year, we're going up to 10. So 10 entries in survivor five in the millions all right mike so uh what you guys have done with the guarantee and and if memory serves uh based on the number of entries last year it was almost identical but you boost the guaranteed uh you boost the the max entries for the survivor it certainly seems like uh, you guys feel strongly look survivors the big one here uh ats contests are great a lot of people have them and, and i know you're very proud of what you've done with the millions 
but people seem to, to know you more for the Survivor and just the growth of this one. Uh, it, it seems like it's going to lap the millions, huh? Yeah, I, you know, they're two different contests. There's a lot of things that are great about the millions. Obviously, the quarterlies, uh, you got to, you know, you can get hot for four or five weeks. You can take home a lot of money. We give away 300000 each quarter between first through fifth, and, and then last place uh, in each quarter is 25000 with first being one fifty. But I think people tend to view it as the one contest has more pro or semi-pro players, five picks against the spreads. You know, five's a lot. Sometimes you, you come up with two or three a week, and you got to press down to get to five. Um, Survivor's more of like an everyman contest where, you know, a roofing salesman won it, a guy that sells memorabilia. I mean, it is, it's like the everyman stories every year of who ends up making it to the end in Survivor, whereas time in and time out, you know, I know the Millions winner were a group of four guys from Detroit last year, but it tends to repeat the guys that do well in, in, in the, in the against the spread contest, as opposed to lightning in a bottle with a survivor. Yes. Even our show, we've participated in survivor two years in a row. We are Oh, for two Mike. So as a show, could you maybe uh, give us some unique strategies that we should try to adopt uh, for this upcoming season? Yeah, I think there might be as many strategies as there are players, Aaron. It's just, um, <laughs> you know, Derek, Derek always talks about his uh, theory of do you work backwards? I mean, do you start do you start in week 17 and try to work your way backwards through the schedule? Do you start with those two unique weeks? Obviously, the schedule makers helped us out by putting the three day three games on Christmas day that monday so that's its own unique week as well as thanksgiving with the black friday game so you have a four game week and a three game week do you start there and then and then work from there do you use your double or, or triple i guess you could have a quintuple option this year with 10 you could put five on one team and five on another in the same game some people like my, my former partner amal shaw you know he doesn't play division games he doesn't play road teams. He has a, you know, a set of rules until, you know, maybe when you get to the end, you have to break one of those rules. So it's hard to say, you know, I mean, there was such carnage early on last year. So many people were eliminated within the last three weeks and sort of looked like an anomaly. And then we had that period of seven weeks where hardly anybody got eliminated. And then there was carnage again. I mean, it's just, you know, you have to sort of tiptoe through the raindrops sometimes. Yeah, I love that approach in terms of uh, avoiding division games just because they tend to be lower scoring and you have familiarity and all those things. So that that makes a ton of sense. Walk me through uh, the decision-making when it comes to a maximum of 10 entries per person for Survivor. Is it something where you feel like the clientele wants the top prize or is it something where they're more comfortable with, say, a likelier possibility of splitting you know, some of the big ones? I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of philosophies to it. I think, you know, when, if you can get beyond, you know, week 12, week 13, when you get down to under 200 folks left, I mean, you start monetizing, I think, your entries. People say hedging. I don't like the word hedging because it has a negative connotation. I like to say monetizing. But we mm -hmm. saw there were 368 people that did the max six last year. A lot of them brought friends, family, their mailman out, you know, to try to get more entries and sort of, a, you know, I, I call them corporations, but it's, it's really one person. And because you're limited to six, now you've got to fly different people out to Las Vegas because, uh, you know, you must be present to enter in Nevada. So I think opening it up to 10 gives people more opportunities if they want to get 
if the, you know, I got a guy did 30 last year. He had to bring four other people out to five people do six. So it gives more people opportunities. Plus, I think guys that did one last year and got knocked out are, are saying, you know, what if I did two or three guys that did three? Oh, I wish I had a few more. There's such a FOMO of this thing when you get knocked out and, and it's almost a depression that you're not in it anymore, that people want to, you know, maximize the amount of time at least they can stay in the contest and get some bang for their buck. Let's talk about the results, how it went last year. One of the reasons that, you know, I'm not excited as I used to be with the ATS contest. You mentioned the pros earlier in our conversation, and you're right. The rate at which you have to hit to win some big-time money or to even cash. I had an experience uh, years back when I did one of these uh, Vegas contests, and I hit 60%, and I still didn't cash. And I know 60%, you're not even getting – I don't think you're coming close. Uh, what was that cash line last year? And also on, on the Survivor – um, yes, 18 weeks, but there are 20 picks. Uh, can you explain that a little bit? Because I, I remember a couple of years ago, was it 17 or 18 picks, whatever it was at the time, and uh, there were a bunch of people tied. How did that play out this past season? Yeah, so we'll start with the, the first question about, you know, your your percentage to win. You know, the more people we get in, obviously, the law of big numbers, the higher the percentage is going to normally need to be to cash. Normally, when you're getting, you know, 4,500, 5,000 people in a contest, the winner is looking somewhere in a low 70% range over all the weeks of the year. So, that, I mean, that's that's very, very hard to do. And I believe the cash line last year was around 63%. So that's 100th place. You know, I think I was looking 50th this year is 12,000. So still significant 12 to 1 return on your money uh, to finish in the top 50 uh, and then the survivor question, yeah, we get to 20 picks because of 18 weeks. When we first started out, it was 18 um, because you had a 16-game uh, schedule with plus the buy, so you had 17 weeks, and we included Thanksgiving. Uh, then when they went to 17 with the buy, you had 18 weeks, and we created two separate weeks with Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, so sort of the holidays. So those are standalone weeks where you have to pick a winner out of the – it's now four games because they've added the Black Friday game with Miami and, and the Jets. So we grouped that in with the three Thanksgiving games. So you've got to pick a winner out of that set of four and then come back that Sunday, Monday, and pick a winner as well. And then on Christmas week, it's, you know, you pick the Thursday, the Thursday, Saturday, Sunday group, you have to pick a winner. And then Christmas Monday on its own, they lined up that triple header. Uh, so you've got to pick a winner out of those three games too. So you have to save – the six teams that play on Christmas Day, and you have to save, you know, the eight teams that play on Thanksgiving or Black Friday. You've got to have some strategy because if you used all six of those teams when you get to Christmas Day, you're still in, but you used all six, you're out because you must pick a winner on Christmas Day. So a lot of people work their strategy from the holidays and then go back. Mike, last year in Survivor, I remember there was a lot of early chaos. Was that one of the craziest seasons in terms of how bumpy it was in the beginning? Or have you seen something like that before? How does that sort of go, you know, in terms of a lot of people getting knocked out early? Yeah, you know, it was the most chaos we'd seen in the Survivor uh, to that point, which was the third season of it. The first year we had, uh, I believe it was 1,300 entries and 35 people made it all the way through. So it's pretty stable. And they split the pot. It was uh, like 68,000 each. The next year, it ended up five people made it through. 
uh, with the 4,000 entries. Five people made it through, and they split uh, and got uh, one, $1. 1.2 million each. And then this, this last year, it ended up there were three people going into the last week, and one of them had chosen the Colts, who got upset by the Houston Texans, who didn't didn't need to win that game. I mean, we all saw the, the chain of motions that set in effect with the draft and everything. Um, and ended up two people split it last year. They got three million each. Last year, I mean, I think wow. I think we had half the field out by week three. It was, you know, when you're, you the top two or three consensus picks are getting knocked out early in the year. Uh, weeks two and three were just incredible. I remember the first year, a lot of people had, I think, 32 percent of the field had the Colts at Jacksonville and they lost. So the week one of the very first year, a third went out, but then it was relatively stable the rest of the way. Last year was the most chaotic we've seen, and who knows what's going to happen this year. Hmm, Colts, Jaguars. That sounds like a division game to me. Gee, the, the carnage uh, really comes back to that. It, it goes full circle, doesn't it? It is uh, interesting when I'm looking at, say, uh, the million contest. Uh, you do have a last place booby prize, and you have a second to last place uh, booby prize. Uh, is it something where uh, you could actually find ways uh, to sort of maximize that market as well and perhaps strategize for that? Well, it's interesting because, yeah, 100000 for the worst overall record season long and 50000 for the second worst. We call it half a booby prize. Um, it, it's interesting <laughs> when you go back and you talk to the people that won that. At what point did they decide to start going for, for the bottom, right? Because obviously there's a lot more places that pay at the top. But at what point in the season when, you, you know, is it week three and you're, you know, four and or week four and you're four and 16 or week three and you're two and 13 and you say, ah, screw it. Now I'm going to try to pick losers. Remember, it's just as hard to pick losers as it is to pick winners. It's interesting quarterly as well. We give away a $25,000 prize each quarter for the worst record. I think that's a little easier to decide, you know, if somebody starts out 0 and 5 in a quarter, there's very little chance they're going to finish in the top five. So you can start directing yourself that way pretty early on. Um, remember, you have to submit your picks every week. If you don't submit your picks one week, you're ineligible for the season-long prize, booby prize, and you'd be ineligible for the, the booby prize in that quarter as well. So it's actually losing picks, not I didn't pick, so I get zero points. <laughs> I'm glad you went there. I've run my share of pools over the years, and, and I still do on a much smaller scale. But blows my mind, Mike. People that enter pools, they pay, they register, they're good to go. Week one, never make a pick. Or you're making a run, middle of the year, you're down to the final 50. Oh, I didn't get my pick in. What are uh, some of your favorite excuses you've heard? Well, it's, it's ridiculous. And poor Jeff Benson, who's our, our, our operations director. I, so many of you guys know Jeff. He's he's active in the scene and on Twitter, obviously. But, you know, they call him up at now it's 4 o'clock. It used to be 3 p.m. Pacific to get your picks in on Saturday. Now it's 4 p.m. But, you know, they call him at 4.02 and 4.05 and 4.11 with, you know, every excuse in the world and my phone wouldn't load and, I had trouble with the app, and it, the, the one guy I felt bad for, he had made it through week 12 in the second year, and I think they were down to 30 or so entries, and he just said, I fell asleep. He's, he was a guy that worked graveyard shift, and he set his alarm for whatever, 2 or 3 o'clock, and he slept through his alarm. There's, there's literally nothing we can do. There's nothing Jeff can do. Once that hour hits, the, the, the system, the software locks you out. We can't manually – enter a pick and nor would we want to you know we're not getting into exceptions of what's reasonable and what isn't but uh 
you know, it's, but they get so mad at Jeff. They call Jeff everything but a white man. It's, it's, it's outrageous how angry they get and the way they abuse him. Uh, you know, week one is always the biggest week, you know, of, of people that don't put their picks in because maybe they, you know, registered today in May and some people forget about it or life gets in the way or they die or they're in jail or where they just forget. But there's always the number we always set. How many people won't get their, won't get their pick in? Uh, won't get their pick in week one, and it's you know usually somewhere between ten and thirty. Mike, one more for you. Uh, we've got about thirty seconds left. Been a long, long wait, but it certainly looks like it's going to happen. I'm in Illinois. People here are excited. Uh, will Circus Sports be in Illinois for football season? Yeah, we hope we have kickoff of of college. Even we're targeting second week of August. There's uh, two issues a little bit on our side with tech to make sure our tech is 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 submitted by and approved by Illinois and then full house still waiting for their, their full licensure so that they can uh, bring us on as a sports partner. But we're, we're hopeful for, for mid August. There it is. Mike Palm, VP of operations at Circus sports on the record. It's been a crawl with Illinois gaming, but they're getting there. Circa should, should be open for football season. No, sorry. You cannot sign up for those awesome contests in Illinois it's a Nevada contest. You must go to Nevada to sign up. But with a proxy, you can make your picks uh, from here. Do the Bears really have one of the NFL's easiest schedules? Let's dive into that because I can't stand the way most look at strength of schedules in the NFL. Happy Memorial Day weekend. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Saturday mornings, 8 to 9 on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski back with you. Sports Radio 670, The Score. I'm a fan of taking a closer look at things once you have more information. Something we do every week on BetQL Daily from a sports betting perspective. NFL strength of schedule rankings are constantly referenced, but the old school way of looking at SOS means almost nothing. And we know this, but we still reference it when going over team schedules. Well, we came up with our own list of easy and difficult schedules, and the Bears showed up. Here's a chunk of BetQL Daily with my co-hosts Ed Egros and Aaron Hawksworth on what really matters in these NFL schedules. Take a listen. Now, some folks might say, well, it doesn't really matter because you have 17 games, and eventually you play good, bad, and ugly, and that's fine. But others have pointed out many times that who you play where you've played them, at what point during the season you've played them, and something, Joe, you and I have talked about extensively, if the opponent you are playing is coming off of a bye week, all of those factors matter a great deal as far as the strength of schedule and what sort of record you are going to have at the end of the regular season. And sometimes knowing these things can be really helpful uh, in terms of betting now, but also betting after the regular season in terms of your conference championship futures, your Super Bowl futures, things like that. Being able to put all of that in context is really important. So, Joe, what are some of your approaches when thinking about NFL strength of schedule? Well, in the sports betting world, uh, win totals have become very popular, but I've, I've gone back and forth on this. Now, I see in the background NFL Network, ESPN's on TV, and they put up the strength of schedule percentage. And, and what they're doing is they're going back to last year. It really bothers me. I get irrationally upset at it because it is <laughs> idiotic. It's the league that we talk about again and again about 
how every year a team goes from worst to first or a team will drop off and one quarterback injury changes everything. So strength of schedule based on the previous season's record with every roster changing so much, I think it's completely idiotic. So in our space, a lot of people talk about win totals as being a smarter way to look at it. But even with win totals, Ed, I, I hesitate to go too far to say, oh, well, the schedule this or the schedule that. Because we all know for people that bet NFL win totals on a regular basis, what you should be doing for more value is betting alt win totals if you truly believe in something. Or, you know, line it up. Instead of going, let's say, over four and a half, you'd go over five and a half, but also over six and a half to get better value. Why? Because win totals are typically off, I'd say half around half of them, by at least two wins. I mean, that's what history tells us. So I wonder if going by win totals is even worth something. So I'm really curious what you dug up because strength of schedule, it still feels like uh, it's a bit of a guessing game when we discuss it. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, I think back to last season when we were, you know, looking at all this stuff before the season started and it seemed like the NFC East, for example, all had easier schedules and then all these teams ended up being good and you really didn't know were all the teams in the division going to make the playoffs? So it's so hard to predict as well, even though you look like on paper, like, oh, the Saints and Falcons have easier schedules. Like, what if one of them surprises us and they're not as good as we think they are or vice versa? I think also for me, like looking at, you know, the first five games of the season or four to five games of the season and how th- how you think that could play out and if maybe you should wait to find more value. If you think they're going to stumble out of the gate a little bit more to look at, you know, a win total or a division bet, or if you think they're going to be the last undefeated team, maybe this is kind of the best value you're going to get for a while, but I kind of learned to like wait and see a little bit. Sometimes I get a little too excited, like this point (laughs) in the year where I start firing off all these bets. Yes. Joe. Because because then you're like, why did I season started? Oh, I forgot. I did that. And I forgot. This coach of the year, that coach of the year. And this one too. I get carried away. I'm like, this seems great in May. And then I'm like, why did I do that? So I've definitely learned personally to pump the brakes a little bit. Well, the numbers are less sharp now than they are in in August and September. And so there there is something useful as far as having that approach. Now, if you're betting too much, yeah, it's a different story. But definitely your least efficient numbers are going to be in the here and now. Joe, you were talking Mm -hmm. about looking at win totals. And I agree with you that that's a better approach than looking at 2022 records. Uh, In large part, I mean, think about using records from last year. How many times have we seen a team go on a tear because they played a lot of backup quarterbacks or they have a lot of home games or a lot of teams have just fallen apart? Maybe they're quote unquote tanking or whatever. Sometimes you get really fortunate with those kinds of things. And so the, the record itself is flawed, even when you're looking at 2022 data and then you're adding another year to it. Yeah, it's a horrible approach. Win totals are better. I agree. But here's the problem with win totals. What's baked into a win total? The strength of schedule. So you're saying, okay, I want to get strength of schedule by comparing strength of schedule. So basically you're double counting, so to speak. So that's a little problematic. Not as bad as 2022 records, but still problematic in terms of filtering that out. Because what we want to do in this exercise is say, okay, what is an NFL team's strength of schedule in the here and now? So what I did was 
I looked at ELO ratings from 538, and I just wanted to look at how good these teams are without strength of schedule. Just look at their overall quality. And I made a few adjustments, uh, some manual adjustments in terms of quarterback changes that we know about, quarterback changes that we are anticipating. And obviously, this is a work in progress. 538 will have more accurate numbers than they do right now. But I gave my own quarterback adjustments, and then I applied them as power rankings to see how different uh, the schedules are compared with what was perceived from last year. So I said, okay, let's look at what these ELO ratings are suggesting will be 2023's win-loss record, compare it to what 2022's strength of schedule win record looks like, and then I came up with the five teams that have tougher schedules than we are anticipating and the five teams that have easier schedules than we are anticipating. So as far as the five teams that do have it tougher than we are led to believe, it all starts with the Cleveland Browns. They will have a tougher go of things than I think we're talking about. They have an early bye week. The AFC North could be mighty, mighty tough. They get the 49ers. They get the Jets. The Texans may be tougher than expected because that defense will be a good bit better. You've got a new quarterback there who, in C.J. Stroud who probably knows what he's doing. I'm not saying the Texans can win the AFC South, but they should be a good bit better. And so if you have, say, a last place or a third-to-last place schedule or something, then you could very well be facing teams that have gotten a lot better immediately. One thing that I noticed, too, as far as this list is concerned, is that if you have uh, you know, a pretty light schedule and now all of a sudden you're facing the Jets, well, the Jets have Aaron Rodgers now. They're way, way better than they were. And so that's a tough break. But the Browns have it tougher than expected. The Falcons actually have it tougher than expected. They have to face Jacksonville and London. Let's not forget that. The Steelers have to start with the 49ers, and then they have some tough games the Saints, and the Vikings. So the five toughest, uh, the five teams that have a tougher strength of schedule than we're talking about, Browns, Falcons, Steelers, Saints, Vikings. What stands out there to you, Joe? A lot in the same division. That's one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Vikings are a team that everybody will be fading this year, but I wonder how far people are going to go. So in the sports betting space, they will. And then I think your average Joe fan is going to be like, their record was awesome. Nobody else is good. Everybody else got worse in the NFC North. Okay, the Bears are a little bit better. I don't believe in the Lions. So I wonder what the market ends up doing uh, with the Vikings. But those are a couple of things that that end up popping. And also, it seemed like the Vikings, two of the last three games, they play on Christmas Eve and January 7th against Detroit. That is likely to be deciding. That's your first and second favorites in, in that NFC North. Uh, so those are a couple of things that pop. What stood out to me was I think the Falcons do have a tougher schedule. Like, I could agree with that, especially out of the gate. You've got Carolina. Of course, they've got a new quarterback, but nobody really knows what that's going to look like. Green Bay might not be as bad as Joe's been talking about, as people think. A lot of people are high on the Lions. Then you've got the Jags. Houston should be improved. Commanders are always weird. You never know what you're going to get there either. (laughs) It's just... They, they really could end up stumbling out of the gate for what a lot of people think is an easy schedule, one of the easiest schedules in the, in the whole league, and it might not be. Exactly, exactly. As far as the five teams that have it easier than expected, this one surprised me a little bit, but the Giants probably have it easier than expected. Here is a team that in the NFC East, we talk a lot about the Eagles, 
and we'll still talk a lot about the Cowboys. They are still in pretty good shape, but the Giants are real up-and-comers. So that's mm-hmm. going to be an interesting one. Chargers have it easier than expected. The Patriots was interesting because I sort of went counter uh, to what a lot of folks have said. You know, even smart folks that say ESPN Analytics who say that the Patriots have the toughest schedule in the NFL. Well, this process says, well, actually, the Patriots may have it a little bit easier than anticipated. And then to round out the top five here, Broncos and Bears. So it's Giants, Chargers, Patriots, Broncos, Bears with easier paths than expected, Joe. It's scary because those are a couple of teams that I do like. I do expect to take some significant jumps, and so the league is helping them out a little bit. It makes me feel stronger about my feelings. I don't know that I'll be able to go to go and back the Bears, but because their win total is seven and a half, going from the worst team in the league up to seven and a half. But I've been on record uh, with teams like Denver that I, I expect them to make a big jump. You know, the Denver one is so interesting because where do we land on them? A year ago, they had five wins. But a year ago, without Sean Payton, their win total going into the season was nine and a half after all the Russell Wilson buzz. So what is the true Broncos team? Are they the win total of nine and a half? Are they closer to the five and 12 record from a year ago or uh, or right there down the middle? What stood out to me is how disappointed I am that the Patriots made that list. The Patriots are cheating again and breaking rules, and they might have an easier schedule than expected. Boo! Is all I have to say to that. Get them, Aaron. Get them. Uh, the Bears make the BetQL daily list of top five easiest schedules for whatever that's worth, but it makes much more sense than going off of last year's record with a very different roster as well. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. I'm on Twitter at Joe Ostrowski. Up next, Jim Miller hangs out. We gave you the Preakness winner last week. I'm sure he thinks the Sox are a lock to win the division now. My guy Jim joins us. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski on a Memorial Day weekend. This is 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. The score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Welcome back. Hope you're enjoying the uh, start of your Memorial Day weekend. And this is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670. The score, my guy Jim Miller, regular visitor here on Early Odds. We're always here Saturdays, 8 to 9 a.m. Let's shove the White Sox for a moment, for a moment. I know you want to take a victory lap, even though they haven't won anything. (laughs) We'll talk about what's happening in the betting market in a moment. There are a few things to digest here. Here's the thing. Am I a horse racing guy now? Do I need a cigar? Do I need a hat? Do I need to hang out at Hawthorne all day? Got the derby, and both of us hit the brinkness. The pressure's on. I'm getting messages from people I don't even know who they are asking me for a Belmont pick. Can we wait a little bit? Well, we can wait a little bit for sure till we know who's in the race. But yeah, you need to hang out at Hawthorne. Come on. <laughs> Everything is here together. There's sports betting. There's horse racing. You got it all right here. So yeah, come on out. Hang out. I'll tell you, Joe, hey, it, it is one interesting fact, though, when you think about it, go all the way back to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Horse racing here at Hawthorne started about a month before any professional sports returned. And because of that, a lot of sports gamblers got into horse racing. And there's still that continued crossover. So there is a lot of very smart players that are playing. And there's just a lot more money in the pool. We've seen an increase in handle here. So it is something where there is a little bit to it. 
that there is some of that crossover play. So that's a good thing for us. Forget the Belmont. I heard they're calling it the Joe O Triple Crown this year. <laughs> that's all it is. Joe, give me a winner. That's what they want. Here's the thing, though. We beat favorites in the Derby. They were able yeah. to beat favorite in the Preakness. I'll be curious to see even who comes back in the Belmont, but that could turn out to be a very wide open race in a couple of weeks. Look, man, honestly, though, it doesn't take a genius to take a look at a race and say, give me the Baffert horse <laughs> with all his Preakness ones. Give me the Baffert horse. And he's not the favorite. I get a little bit of value there. Yeah. I don't mind that. So we wait on the Belmont a little bit and let's get to your White Sox. I laughed at you a week ago. I'll still laugh at you. It's fine. That's but, okay. But what we're seeing is massive movement in the betting markets with the White Sox to win the American League Central. If we take a look at May 14th, they were 20 to 1, and we keep seeing money come in. It's been trickle after trickle. The 19th down to 16 to 1, 14, 12 to 1. They go down to 10 to 1 on May 22nd. And Jim, at the moment, the White Sox are plus 650. So we're talking about in a matter of less than two weeks, they go from 20 to 1 to about 6 to 1. They remain the third favorite in the AL Central, but there has been a drastic change in the actual number. You White Sox fans are nuts. No, we're not. We're not nuts. But here's the thing, Joe, and we talked about it. We even talked about it last week. Part of betting comes down to value and finding when there's a value to play. The value was a week ago. The value isn't the, right now at six and a half to one. It was no. a week ago when you were at somewhere between 16 and 20 to one. And there were 150 to one to win the American League. And I'm not saying they're going to do it. But if I believe they're going to win the division, which I firmly do, then once you get into the playoffs, you know anything can happen. But like we mentioned, it all starts with starting pitching. Look at how good Michael Kopech has been. We mm -hmm. know Dylan Cease is good. We know Giolito has the ability to be good. Lance Lynn was a Cy Young candidate not too long ago. And Clevenger has been pretty solid. So after that, the next step, sort out your bullpen. Well, Garrett Crochet is back. He's kind of your lead lefty now. You're not too far from Liam Hendricks coming back. And then you hopefully get the bats going. But strength of schedule-wise, the remainder of the way, they actually have a relatively easy schedule over the last, say, 100-plus games. But in comparison to everybody else, they do. And we said time and again, Joe, this is not a good division. It could be 85 to 87 wins is all you need to win the division, and maybe not even that. And that's all we're playing for. It's not even a win total now. It's just try to be better than everybody else that's in your division. Well, the books agree with your point there about the division because you see movement inside that American League Central. But if you branch further out to win the American League, there's still triple digits. Oh, it's yeah. a it's a hundred to one to win the World Series. It's still two hundred to one. Maybe it goes from two fifty down to two hundred. That's not a big movement at all with the amount of liability that can pile up with a number like two hundred or two hundred and fifty. So they're saying, yeah, division. All right, they're part of the conversation, but not when we're talking big picture and then really uh, causing some damage, making some sort of a playoff run. You would think not, but again. You get into the playoffs, yeah, all you yeah. need is really two hot arms. Yeah. Really, two hot arms can win you a playoff series. And they might have that ability to be able to get to that point to find two solid arms, maybe even three, and then you never know what can happen. And, of course, injuries can still happen. Uh, so much can still happen going on. But, again, when we talked about value, 
the value to win the division was a week ago. Now we just sit back and watch, and you can hammer away on me as a White Sox fan and all the other White Sox fans. But let's see where we are, say, another two to three weeks, and then we'll kind of go from there. Uh, good deal. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670. The score, weekly contributor Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse with me right now on 670. The score. Okay, you wanted to talk about the Rookie of the Year yeah. awards. And if we look at recent full seasons, we'll skip 2020, recent full seasons in the American League, J-Rod, Arena, and Jordan Alvarez. The Jordan Alvarez, I remember that year so much because I was amazed by the fact that you couldn't find odds for him at the start of the season. But once they posted it, there was a 200 to one out there. So that's the kind of value you can find with this award. National League side, Michael Harris, Jonathan India, and Pete Alonzo, your last three winners in the full seasons. Let's start with the American League side. And Yoshida of the Red Sox is the favorite. He's been the favorite all season long. It's a very short price, Jim, plus 130. Hunter Brown of the Astros, plus 700. Bryce Miller of Seattle, plus 950. Uh, when I've looked at this market, when you look at the war numbers, Jim, the notable part is that Yoshida's war numbers are not crazy because the defense is so bad. The defense kind of evens it out. But if you just look at his offensive numbers, although there have been some struggles of late, they are off the charts. So that's why you're only in that plus 130 range for American League rookie with Yoshida. Where are you looking? I assume you're looking further down the board. You have to look further down the board because, yeah, the numbers are good, but they're not great. And because of that, there's a couple of different routes you go. To me, if you look on the offensive side of things, we've talked about the importance of the rule changes this year and how important do stolen bases become because – you look to Oakland, and we know Oakland's very bad. But Estuary Ruiz is sitting at 10-1 to 1 right now. He's hitting 280, only has the one home run. RBI numbers aren't bad at 22. He's stolen 26 bags already, Joe. This is a guy that could steal 60 in his rookie year because he's on a team that he's going to play mm-hmm. all the time. Because of that, I tend to wonder if he's a little bit of value at 10-1. to 1. And then if you want to go to the pitching end of things, what about Yenier Cano at 20 to 1 in Baltimore? Lights out. This is a guy that could become the closer. Joe, he hasn't walked a guy yet. 28 Ks. The guy is on fire to open the season for a team that's playing good baseball and could contend in probably the best division in the American League. So tough for a pitcher. So tough. But, you know, you mentioned an Orioles player, and I'm actually looking at a different Orioles player. I'm looking at down the odds board, and I see four O's that are listed for AL Rookie of the Year. That's how stacked this team is, man. They are going to be so good for a long time. We've talked about Baltimore a number of times uh, here on this show. So I was thinking about the guy that was getting a lot of love before the season started, more value, uh, and, and a different O, Gunnar Henderson. Yep. Just considering him, you could find him at 30 to one and you threw out a couple of arms. I like Taj Bradley a lot with the Rays, and you can find him at 45. But uh, my hesitation is when you have a number of player position options, it, it seems like they're really going away from making a pitcher. One of the rookies of the year. They are. But last year, I mean, if you think about it, most years it would have been Strider on the national league end of things just yeah. turned out that he had another teammate who had an exceptional year. But I think only because nobody's really lighting it up offensively. And Yoshida's doing okay, like we said. 
Gunnar Henderson could be a guy that takes off. The average is really the only thing that's bringing him down, but he's a guy that he has the ability to hit for power, has the ability to drive in some runs, and again, playing for a solid team. So when you're looking at, say, plus 150 compared to 30 to 1, I would definitely go the 30 to 1 route also. There are a lot of pitchers here that are listed in the top 10 odds for AL rookie. A lot of pitchers. So if part of your process is eliminating the pitchers, it helps you uh, quite a bit narrowing it down. It definitely does. And that's the thing. If you think this is an offensive-only category, then that does give you the potential. It's going to give you the potential on the National League side too because those numbers I I think are a little bit more (laughs) – I don't don't even want to say out of hand, but I think there's more value – just because there's so much money offensively to Corbin Carroll and James Altman. All right, let's go over there because what we see is disagreement at the top. Some books have Corbin Carroll as the favorite of the Diamondbacks, and some sports books say, no, 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 James Altman should be the favorite of the Dodgers. So I'm looking at BetMGM. I see Altman plus 145, Carroll plus 200. You look around, and they have them flipped. So that's fascinating. So you have two very short numbers, which means there's value elsewhere. All all sorts of different arms are being listed. I don't know, Jim, is it worth taking a shot? Or is it just going to be whichever guy can stay healthy and put a full season together? Is it going to be Carroll or Outman? No, it's worth taking a shot. And I'm going to give you two, I'm going to give you two bats and two arms. Okay. Okay. Here's your bats. First one at 35 to one. Casey Schmidt over in San Francisco. Only 58 at-bats open the season, hitting over 300, couple home runs, already double-digit RBIs. Second guy hasn't played a day in the bigs yet, but you remember the hoopla over O'Neill Cruz last year. Yeah. What about Ellie De La Cruz? 40-1, to playing triple-A ball in Cincinnati. This is a guy that hits rockets. This is a guy that has an arm that they're talking about, a 100-mile-per-hour arm from the field. Wow. And if he comes up, there's going to be so much hype, so much hoopla. But he almost looks like a Luis Robert type of clone if you look at him physically. So he's sitting at 40 to 1. So those are the two bats, the two arms. Wait, can I stop you there for for a quick second? Because I've got some guesses. Now, on De La Cruz, uh, what's notable there, you mentioned he's not up yet. Keep in mind that Michael Harris only played 114 games last year. So. If you think that he's going to be up there and you buy into the player, worth taking a shot. Is one of your pitchers Yuri Perez? No. Senga? No. Okay, go ahead. Two guys that just debuted this week, Joe. Mm-hmm. Both are sitting at 45 to 1. Matthew Libertor of St. Louis, Bobby Miller of the Dodgers. Both excellent debuts and against quality teams. Libertor just defeated the Brewers. Bobby Miller just defeated the Braves in their debuts. These are guys St. Louis is looking to try to figure things out and try to get back in the division that we thought they were going to win. And we know the Dodgers are a legit team, but these are two guys just getting started again that, yes, they're going to want to protect them throughout the course of the season. But say they go out there, throw, say, 120 innings, and pitch good baseball for two quality teams. These are two huge numbers on guys that it looks like they have pretty electric arms. I love it. I love it. You're paying close attention. How, how do you uh, track all these minor league players? Do you follow some of the lists of the top prospects in the game? What exactly uh, is it? Because it's, I know you you love to bet into these markets and you you clearly have a lot of information on these young players. You do have to watch the top prospect list and you just kind of have to watch what organizations 
are ones that have the ability to maybe take that little bit of time on their prospects, develop them a little bit down in the minors, and then work their way up because that's the difference too. Some of these organizations, they just want to rush to get them into the bigs and then kind of let them take their lumps there. These are guys that have been able to take a little bit more time in the minor league system, work their way up because the big league teams were good. So then you're getting these guys positionally ready and ready as arms. And that's what's happening for both of these arms in Libertor and Miller. They've had the time because you know the pitching ahead of them in the organization has been so solid. Cubs fans, Matt Mervis, 65 to 1, and mentioned that the O's have four players listed on the AL side while on the National League side. Look in the NL Central. The Reds have four players listed. Yep. So they've got to feel pretty good about how their rebuild is going. Look at the Reds. Look at Arizona, Joe. Arizona has some guys that are listed there, too. These are teams that they say, oh, well, maybe not right now. Watch out. They're not too far away from being solid contenders. Ooh, I liked Arizona coming into this year, and they're playing some good ball overall. All right, Jim, what about the horses today as we wait a little bit for the Belmont? Well, I mean, you should be the one picking the horses, but I'm going to give you three of them here because we did have a good week last week. We'll bet all these horses across the board. So Churchill Downs, race 10, betting the five. Miss Yearwood across the board. She's six to one in the morning line. Then two races at Santa Anita. Santa Anita, race seven. We're going to bet the seven burning turf across the board. And race eight, going to bet the seven CZ Rocket, the old-timer sprinter who has over $2 million in earnings. Try to bet that one across the board, too. All right, Jim, good luck and enjoy the uh, the long weekend, all right? You got it. Go Sox. Ah, you got it in. Enjoy the holiday weekend and think about all the men and women that sacrifice their lives for us. Inside the Clubhouse is next on The Score. Catch me weekdays 8 to 11 a.m. on the BetQL Network via the Odyssey app, BetQL's Twitch and YouTube pages, and live 105.9 FM HD2. The BetQL Network is there. And there's always the BetQL Daily Podcast. Cash those tickets this weekend and keep it locked right here on 670 The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 